and welcome back to Just Like Other Girls. As always, I'm your host, Shannon Fiedler, and I got to start this episode with a quick what's up. (laughs) That was a terrible impression of the Budweiser commercial, but this show is an ode to the 90s, so it felt right. Um, To the 90s and I guess a little bit into the early 2000s, Basically, this this episode is all about growing up in the 90s and being a 90s kid now that we're all, you know, approaching, if not already in our third decade. I was born in the 90s. I was a kid in the 90s. How that shaped me, what that meant. And part of the reason I wanted to do this show, you know, it's the fall. Fall is a very nostalgic time. I don't know about you guys. I personally am always thinking back to being a kid when the fall comes probably just because of that back to school feeling and back to school, even though you go back to school and high school and college and all of that, to me, it's very synonymous with elementary school. So it always reminds me of being a kid. But the real reason that this episode is happening is because I saw on Party City that they now have a costume to be 1990s. And I think this like broke me. I think this broke me. The idea that the decade that I grew up in is retro enough now to warrant its own costume. It was like a sucker punch to the gut. I was like, oh my God. Because obviously when we were growing up in the 90s, what were the most popular Halloween costumes? You know, oh, I'm going to be a 70s person. I'm going to be an 80s person. So maybe it was Jazzercise. Maybe it was a hippie, whatever that might be. Kids today are being people from the 90s, which is not a costume. That is just someone I was in my life for me. So it was very jarring to see it as a costume. It's funny. They have a uh, a butterfly clip accessory pack that you can buy. And I was like, oh, I if you went to my parents' house, I'm sure there is a box of, you know, like Shannon's stuff in their basement that is full of butterfly clips. Like you could have just created the costume out of that. They also had um, inflatable cell phones, like the big giant ones that I know my mom had in the 90s. They were like the bottom part flipped down and it was it was like holding a full house phone in your hand. You could just bring it with you in your car so you can get those. They also have inflatable boom boxes. I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. I'm going to date myself. I'm going to sound 100 in this episode, I promise you, through a lot of the things I say. But kids today but seriously kids today probably don't know what a boombox is because they have iphones you know what i mean like i feel like my generation we kind of hit we hit all of the music apparatus if you will because you know i feel like my parents they had records and then they had cassette tapes and then you know i was born but i i we had cassette tapes i definitely had stuff on cassette tape as a kid then we had cd's then we had hit clips Never forget. I loved my hit clips. But then we had the iPod, which was not your iPhone. We also had Walkmans. We ha- I mean, like, our music, we've evolved a lot as to how we listen to music. But it was just so funny to me to see an inflatable boombox being a part of a costume to be a 90s kid. Um, they also had a, a Frosted Tips wig for guys, which made me laugh out loud because even in elementary school, every boy in my second and third grade class had frosted tips and puka shell necklaces. That was just, that was the height of fashion. 
that was so cool if you had those frosted and you look at it now and you're like what were we thinking but every every crush i had every teen icon that i had a poster of on my wall those tips man they were frosted i just it made me laugh to look at these costumes because all of them were things that i i actually owned so that was harrowing and and jarring um, I do also want to preface, I am a little bit under the weather, so I sound a little bit <laughs> hoarse today, and I'm sure I'm I'm going to cough halfway through this. Also, my brain, you know, when you're sick, I feel like my brain is running on, like, low battery mode. So I'm a little scattered, but that's all right. We're here to talk about the 90s and what and growing up. It's kind of insane to me. I am old enough now that the fashion of my youth is coming back in style. And the main thing I have to say about that is why? <laughs> I mean, I am like, I look back at photos from the nineties and I'm not like, or and Y2K too. I'm not like, well, we looked so good. Like, I do not understand how these things are coming. Like bucket hats were bad enough the first time around. Nobody needed bucket hats to come back. Fanny packs. If you had told me of everything that fanny packs were going to be making a comeback, absolutely would not have believed you. They're very functional. I will give you that. But I haven't gotten on board. I have not gotten onto the trend. It just makes me feel like a little kid um, wearing a fanny pack or something. So I can't get back to it. And then, you know, I see these like younger I, they're not kids, adults walking around New York City, but like in their low 20s and they're wearing, you know, slip dresses and they've got the butterfly clips in and they have the chokers on. Remember the chokers that we all used to wear? They were like crisscross. They looked like they were tattooed onto your neck. They're all wearing them. And I'm like, wow, we're, I feel like I am back in the halls of my middle school. And all I have to say is I really hope the spiky hair doesn't come back like the Lizzie McGuire style where we used to wear our hair in those buns and then like spike it out on the sides. Like it was a weapon. But unfortunately I think it's already, I think it's already starting to come back. It blows my mind that these things are back and out. Luckily I am a bit of a hoarder and I've kept a lot of my things. And yes, I was young, but like accessories you don't grow out of. Right. So like I said, there was probably a box of butterfly clips in my parents' house that I could go tap into and it would all be there for me. The mini purses, you know, I mean, like, it's just crazy. It's all coming back. Um, but yeah, it's being a kid in the 90s. I feel like we're at this sort of my generation is at this sort of pivotal point. And I'm sure every generation in the world has thought this about themselves, that they are special in some sort of way. but. I read somewhere or heard somewhere that we are the last generation to really remember what life was like before the internet. And not before the internet entirely. I, you know, the internet was always accessible in my waking memory, but it was, it was not accessible in the palm of my hand. I'll tell you that. It was dial up. And I actually asked um, someone the other day, she was 21. And I was like, do you know what dial up means? And she didn't know. Do you remember just the noise of dial-up internet? Just like, and it would come at you and you would have to just like sit there and wait 
you'd hog the phone. No one in the entire house could be on the phone if you needed to go map quest directions to get somewhere. Uh, or for me, if I had to go, you know, on DisneyChannel.com and play the Rip Girl surfing game, which was the best game. But it was just such a different experience. And you were on your desktop. Um, obviously, you had AOL. That was the only option back then. Like Google Chrome, who? Mozilla Firefox, what are you talking about? It was AOL all the way. And it would be those three little boxes. It would be like, America runs on AOL. And it was like, or I don't know, maybe that's that's America runs on Duncan. But it, it did have that little running man, your AIM guy. AIM, that was a, a wild, wild west of a place. And you'd get on and you'd hear the, the you've got mail. Um, it's funny, I, I always wonder, again, fall is a time that I like to watch classic rom-coms and I was watching You've Got Mail and I was like, do people younger than me even get this? And I think they would get the premise of the movie, email is email, but God, that, that voice, that guy's voice just saying, you've got mail. You felt like the most important person in the world. And even back then it was spam, 100%, <clears throat> but it felt so important. I mean, those AOL sounds, are like core memories for me. They're so iconic. The shutting of doors or the opening of doors when someone logged on or off of AIM that like, I can't, I can't. Clearly I'm not a sound effects artist. I am no Foley artist, but, and you would think it was your crush and you would like immediately go to your AIM. And then if it was your crush and you didn't want to talk to him, you'd like put your away message on and it would be some, the things that I used to, put as my away message. You would think I was the most tortured soul living in the depths of despair of humanity. I was putting these like deep emo lyrics on my page. Literally, I'm away because I'm at like soccer practice, you know, in my like little suburban Connecticut town. I was fine, but my away message is like, realize, realize, realize. And it was like, I don't know who I thought I was, but so much of your social currency was about what happened on your AIM and your screen name. My screen name was F Chatterbox, uh, F for Fiedler, obviously, and then Chatterbox because as you can probably tell from this radio show, I've never had a problem talking for long periods of time. But then I thought that wasn't like cool enough because all my, I got a screen name early. I, I was one of the first in my class. I felt super cool. But then all my friends started getting ones like baby girl, EXO, soccer superstar, 92. And I felt like Chatterbox wasn't cool enough. So I remember I tried a bunch of other ones. I was like, skate gold, because I was a figure skater. And I was like, Shan, baby. None of them stuck. It was F Chatterbox forever. And then you'd have your AIM profile, and you would like list out the initials of all of your friends. What a horrible way. Like, no wonder online bullying has become a thing. Like, be like, these are the people I'm friends with, but I am not putting her initials in because she wouldn't trade her fruit snacks with me at lunch, and we are not friends now. If you had a boyfriend, you could put his initials and you'd be like, love you so much, and you're like 11 years old. <laughs> it's like a guy that you had lunch with once because every other time you were too embarrassed. It was just such a funny thing. I'll never forget, it was probably, I was 
probably what in like fifth grade. And for Christmas, my parents got me a gateway computer. And that was the coolest thing that could have ever happened. It came in a box with cow print on it. Couldn't tell you why. No clue why Gateway went all in on cows. And they were like, yeah, we're going to sell state-of-the-art technology through Heifer. That is the way in. But they did. And it came in this cow print box. And I remember seeing the box and knowing what it was and just the utter joy that I now had access to this portal. Um, and that same Christmas, my grandparents got me a Razor scooter. I felt like I was living in the lap of luxury. I was like, there is nothing more in the world than I need. I have my Razor scooter and my gateway computer. The world is my oyster. I am the coolest person in Connecticut. And I would go down in our basement, which was the playroom. Um, that's what, when you're an only child, they have to make rooms that sound like they're fun because you have, you don't have siblings to run around with. So they're like, this is the playroom. Um, but we were down in the, I would go down in the playroom and I would dial up the internet and I would spend hours upon hours doing three things, chatting people on AIM, Neopets, and downloading music from Kazaa <laughs> or Kaza. I don't know. That's like a very, there's a big chasm, a Kaza chasm, if you will on what you call it. Some people called it Kaza, or I called it Kaza. Some people called it Kaza. Maybe it's like an accent thing. If you grew up in the tri-state area, it's Kaza because you got your Long Island accent influence. But I just remember ripping songs off the internet and putting them onto mix CDs and like never knowing, I never labeled my mix CDs. So I never knew if a CD was blank or if I'd already burned something on it. And you could not reburn these CDs. And I just had like, stacks and stacks and stacks of CD cases <clears throat> with burned CDs on them that were like the most eclectic. It was like the theme song to Lizzie McGuire, an S Club 7 song, and then Billy Joel because my parents listened to it. Like it was these weird mixes that I would give my friends or I don't even know, I'd put them in my boom box, right? Or in my Walkman. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't a Napster kid. I feel like a lot of people talk about downloading music illegally and they go back to Napster. And uh, I was, I was team Kazaa all the way. And I mean, sometimes it would literally take like six hours to download one of those songs. And it would be like this shady version that would still have a skip in it. Or then you'd have to take the CDs that you had, because obviously I had the, my first CD was the baby one more time CD. And it came, it was that pink, album cover with Brittany. She's sitting down and she's looking up at you. And I remember my mom bought it for me. It was my first CD. I was probably in first or second grade and we were having a Halloween party and I got to play the Brittany album at my Halloween party. And that just made me feel like the coolest kid ever. And I would sing Baby One More Time. Track three was Sometimes, which was my other favorite song on that album. And so you would take these CDs and you'd put them into your computer, your giant desktop that had that modem that was like so massive. And it had, you would have to put the CD in and then you would have to upload the songs from the CD 
to your Napster profile so that all your music could live in one place. So you could listen to the songs that you had on album as well as the songs that you were downloading. And so you could burn your friends' CDs and versions of it. And um, I would just spend hours doing that. It was just so important. I collected Now CDs, but like, Now, that's what I call music. I have the original Now somewhere. The album, that cover was red and gold and I think like Macy Gray is one of the tracks. Like it, it, I think Mbot might be on it. And I got my first now and I was like, oh, I need to own every now. That's going to be my thing. And I used to collect them. That was my first collection that I had. And I collected them for a long time, even into the iPod era, even into the iTunes era. I like wouldn't let it go. I was in middle school and I was like, I can't give up on collecting these nows. And eventually I was like, by the time the songs come out on now, I'm already sick of them because I've been listening to them on my iPod for so long. My iPod mini, I had the silver one, and then I got a green iPod nano. It was pretty imp- a pretty, pretty big moment to go to the nano. But a couple months ago, a year ago, I, I got served an ad for now. That's what I call music 67. And I was like, now. You got to give it up. Like now I think you have officially become a then like you are past retirement age. You are 67. You have to give it up. There is no space for now. That's what I call music anymore. I hate to say it, but it's vestigial. Music was amazing in the nineties and the music we grew up with. I don't know if it's still happening with pop music today, but for whatever reason, I feel like the musicians that we had growing up, you they became these huge face-offs, and it became very much like you have to pick a side. You were either NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. You were Britney or Christina, and never could you be both. You were Mariah Carey, Celine Dion. Like You could not like both of these artists. And I was firmly, firmly an NSYNC gal. Like... I was so in on NSYNC. I, so everybody had a crush on Lance Bass. Some people like JT. I, <laughs> with the curveball, was obsessed with JC Chaz. I thought he was so handsome. And it was very easy for me to like get his poster when my friends and I were doing like, we were cutting out pictures and it's because nobody else wanted it. Everybody was like fighting over Lance or Justin Timberlake. And I was like, I will take JC. And I remember putting his picture on my wall and just listening to that Bye Bye Bye, No Strings Attached album on repeat. And just every song on that album is a bop. And I feel like I might be in the minority because now that I am an adult and I go to weddings and they play these throwback songs that remind you of your youth, I feel like it, it airs really heavily into Backstreet Boys. It might be because, you know, they had their comeback, the whole Backstreet's back. All right. But I feel like everybody is like super obsessed with the Backstreet Boys. And I was I was firmly an NSYNC girl. I was also a Britney girl, but I did love Christina. That was a much harder. That was a much harder team for me to pick. But I don't know. Britney was my girl. I did love the genie and an album, whatever that initial album was of Christina's. Um, 
And I, as a huge Disney fan, Christina Aguilera had the honor of singing Reflection the, from the Mulan move from Mulan, the cartoon. She sang the like pop version that was on the radio. And that kind of made it hard for me to turn her down. But I think the most defining musician for 90s kids and growing up in the 90s has to be the Spice Girls. I hear that opening like step, 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 ha, 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 of wannabe. And I immediately am five years old again in my cousin's basement making up dances to the Spice Girl songs. And I remember we did a talent show in my elementary school. And I think my parents still talk about this. I think 15 groups of girls danced to stop right now. Thank you very much. And it was just, they were so cool. And they were such girl power, which was so fun. And they were just like girls rule and we can be flirty and we can be fun and we can wear these platform sneakers. And I think it's just such a fun take on feminism just owning it and you know if you want to be my lover you got to get with my friends like friendship was all about it like although to be honest i do think that song sounds like an invitation for a menage a trois i don't think that was the intention but if you listen to it it's a little racy you know but i just i love the spice girl so much and i think now when you look at the videos on youtube that are viral they're works of art like they are Tarantino level or James Cameron, like these people, they have these amazing graphics and these unbelievable action shots and high quality cameras and storyline it's developed. And I think about the shit that I watched on the internet growing up and how it was just inane. Like everything from E-Bomb's world where it was like, Oh, this is the earth. Oh, nice earth, you might say. Chilling, wrong. Like that was the most inane animation. It was crudely drawn. It was crudely voiced over, like barely ran on your dial-up internet. And my friends and I would just quote it all the time. And you also had like shoes and muffins and uh, the badger song, like these things that made no sense. They were just, they were the original memes, I think, because they were these bite-sized jokes that were getting blown up into these videos because for the first time they could. It was the first time that videos could be accessible to everyone without having to be on TV. And I think this really weird, specific humor of that era came out that sometimes I wonder, you know, if I showed the the end of Z world to someone who was 11 now, which is probably how old I was when I thought that was the height of comedy. Would they think it was funny or would they be like, what the hell is this? I think some stuff definitely translates. Like I watched the cartoons. My parents watched as a kid. I liked the Flintstones. SpongeBob SquarePants has been running. It's still running. Like clearly comedy works. Mickey Mouse has been around forever i do not think the end of the world would hold that same sort of staying power i also was obsessed with neopets i loved neopets so much um i liked the penguin his name was bruce i had like seven of him actually had a meltdown like sobbing hysterically because i forgot to feed my bruce and we were in the car 
And obviously you could not log on to the internet from the car back then. And I was like, my Neopet is gonna die. And my mom was like, I don't know how to console you. What are you even talking about? And I got home and turns out Neopets actually could never die. They just lived hungry. And I found this out. And I was like, why the hell am I spelling, spending my Neo coins on feeding these animals that don't actually need to be fed? So I just stopped feeding my Neopets and hoarding all of my coins to buy them like clothes because I thought that was more fun. This does not bode well for me as a future pet owner or mother. I understand that. But at the time, that was all I cared about. And I would play these Neopets games for hours. I liked it more than I think Pokemon. I think a lot of my friends were more Pokemon kids than I was. I collected the cards just to feel cool, but I never understood how to play the game. I would get these cards and I would trade them with my friends. And I just remember we would all walk around with our binders full of Pokemon cards and you would go to the store and you'd buy them and you never knew what you were going to get. And I only liked the cute ones. I like had no idea which ones had more power. Like there was one that looked like a little fox and I thought she was cute. And I liked Pikachu because he said Pika Pika. Um, so I would like everybody loved trading with me because I would give you my Charizard for a Charmander because I thought Charmander was cuter. That kind of like, I, I see how that <laughs> continued to move with me into my adult life and how I continued to make bad choices just based on how cute something was. Alas, I didn't collect a lot of Pokemon cards, but what I did collect was Beanie Babies. The craze with which Beanie Babies took over 90s kids, the chokehold that the TY company had on all of us is unbelievable to me. <clears throat> I, any chance I got a good report card and my parents would be like, what do you want? We're going to treat you to something. Beanie Baby, my, your birthday, what do you want? Beanie Baby, we're going on vacation. You can buy one souvenir, Beanie Baby. Like that was the only thing I, and I just had buckets of them. And I didn't, what would you, you could never play with as many Beanie Babies, as, but it was the only thing that mattered to me. My first Beanie Babies were Quackers the duck. He was this yellow duck, his name was Quackers, and Speedy the turtle. And I think I kept those. Obviously, I, you know, I really thought it was going to be my college savings. I thought my college tuition was going to be paid for by Beanie Babies, but it was not. But I do think I kept those two. It was also nice that they came pre-named. I feel like there's a lot of pressure when you're a kid to name your stuffed animals. Everybody always, that's the first thing they ask you. They're like, what's his name? And it's like, I got seven penguins. I, I can only come up with so many names for them. But they tell you if a kid doesn't name their stuffed animals, it's like, an early sign of like being a sociopath or something like it means they lack empathy so there's like all this pressure to name your stuffed animals ty was like look we got you covered you could change the name if you want but this little guy this turtle this is speedy and i'm gonna do you one better i'm gonna give you a little poem he comes with his own origin story and i think that was like part of the fun of it they had their own little rhymes and, and the tags god forbid you ripped the tag off that the advertiser in me is now having an epiphany that that was the most brilliant branding because every toy, the first thing you do, you rip the tag off, right? Except your Beanie Baby. You always knew it was a Beanie Baby because it had the tag on it. The toys in the 90s were the best. They really were. Um, 
and that's obviously an entirely biased opinion. I think, again, I think if you gave kids today the toys that I grew up with, they would be so unimpressed. But I loved them. And I, again, am a hoarder. And I asked my parents when they moved out of the house I grew up in to keep my PlayStation 1. And they did. And Pat and I have now taken it to our apartment in New York City. And I cannot tell you how many nights we opt to stay in, drink some wine, and play Crash Bandicoot. And it is so much freaking fun. That game epitome of a game like a bandicoot what a cool mascot like who even knows what that is he's so cute he has those little ooga booga guys that come up if you didn't play crash bandicoot you're probably like shannon is rambling on about nothing but if you did i am bringing you back a memory that you didn't even know you missed crash bandicoot was the best game and the music was so fun and you would go on these little you'd run through the game was very simple you just had to get from the beginning to the end and catch the crystal and it was fun and challenging. And I remember playing with my dad and I would get so hyped up and nervous about not being able to beat the level. This says a lot about me as someone who grew up to be a perfectionist that I would give him the controller and I would watch him play. And my dad was, you know, the best, I didn't have a brother. So he was the best little brother, honestly, that you could have ever had. He would play video games with me for hours and I wouldn't even play. I would just watch him play and I would get such joy out of watching him beat these boss levels and like running around. Crash Bandicoot is my favorite game. The other PS1 game that is just like absolutely iconic, Spyro the Dragon. That was just so much fun. So we, I've kept those games. I still have them. Um, but the one game that I loved that I can't find anywhere was the Mary-Kate and Ashley Mystery Mall game. And this was... So much fun because every level was a different store within a mall and you got to choose if you were playing Mary Kate or Ashley. Again, the media loved to pit us against people. You had to be a Britney or a Christina. You had to be a Mary Kate or an Ashley. I was an Ashley. Mary Kate was more of a tomboy from my understanding. I, I was very team Ashley, but we would go through this mall. And again, I'd make my dad play this Mary Kate and Ashley mystery mall with me. If anybody knows where I could find this game, like I need it in my life. I need to relive that memory. But I just, Mary-Kate and Ashley, you want to talk about a chokehold. Those two just like ruled the entertainment industry as titans when they were seven years old. So it was obviously you can't talk about growing up in the 90s without talking about Nicktoons and all of the cartoons within that time period. So I've, I've taken it upon myself to <laughs> rank definitively. And people are going to be all up in me and be like, these are the absolute worst rankings of all time. The cartoons from my era, the cartoons that I grew up with, um, pretty much they were all either on Nickelodeon, Disney Channel, or Cartoon Network. I was not really a Cartoon Network girl. It was a little like gross out humor for me. Um, I was very strong Nicktoons, but Disney did have one Saturday morning, which was just the best. And I know someone else is going to come for me, too, because I'm going to say a show. And you're going to be like, that show actually came out in 2001. And I am aware of that. But like we've said, just because I was born in the 90s, I was still a kid in the early 2000s, as many of you, my listeners, also were. So I think you will relate to this. And I think there were so many good cartoons that we grew up with that, like, 
I could watch them now as an adult, I think, and still really enjoy them. There were also a lot of tunes like that gross out humor that just like I could never get behind. I really like freaked me out. Like Cat Dog does not make my ranking. That show scared the living daylights out. Like where did those animals go to the bathroom? Am I supposed to believe that if they had to relieve themselves, it was going into their other half's mouth? Like this is the kind of thing that would keep me up at night. I could not watch Cat Dog. That show made me like physically cringe. It made me want to vomit. Ren and Stimpy was also similar. And now as an adult, you see all these sort of TikToks, whatever, that are like, Ren and Stimpy was actually very adult. And you look at some of this human, you're like, how did they pass this off as a show that was for children? And even just, they looked dirty. They looked like that kid that you go to college with who, for the first time in his life, doesn't have someone telling him he has to shower. So he decides he's not going to for like months at a time. That is what Ren and Stimpy looked like. They looked like the grossest kids in your college dorm who room together, hoard food that's like seven days old and spoiling, don't go in the shower and just make like gross jokes in your women in lit class. Like it is just those, that is to me who Ren and Stimpy were. So that show also does not make my list. But there were a lot of good shows. But if I had to give you, I'm going to give you my top 10 and my reasoning as to why, because I know this is the content you've all been waiting for. Um, and I want to do, I do want to give a special shout out because I only had 10 slots because you can't do a top 11 ranking. That's just stupid. I do want to give a special honorable mention to the Powerpuff Girls because I loved them. Again, I wanted to be Bubbles, but I wasn't blonde, so I couldn't be. So I had to be Buttercup. But now that I'm an adult and I look back at them, once again, Buttercup was the badass one. So I think what I've learned is brunettes have more fun. We're just told we can't from a young age. That's a topic for another episode about blonde privilege. I'm kidding. But <clears throat> moving on. Coming in at number 10, the number 10 best cartoon from my childhood, I'm going to have to go with As Told by Ginger. And this is a sleeper hit. I bet no one saw this coming. But I think that show was so brilliant because it was a cartoon. It felt very accessible to young kids, but it dealt with a lot of themes about growing up. And again, this is probably a topic for another episode. I when I started to like get to middle school and sort of become a preteen and a teenager, I found that really scary. I really struggled with it because it was so new and different and change and growing up became kind of a scary thing for me. And Ginger was going through that in a way that I could relate to in the same way that I, when I was watching the Powerpuff Girls, right? They were these cartoons. And I think that show like really helped me deal with teen themes and things that I wanted to in a, in a safe space. So I think that show is honestly so brilliant. And I feel like, I hope there's one for this generation because it was really helpful for me. Like there was an episode, the two episodes really stand out to me, or maybe it was even the same episode, but it was the, a theme within the two. Um, the popular girls were stuffing their bra but there was a pool party. So there was like a fear of if you stuffed your bra and you jumped in the pool, then like the tissues were going to come out. And I think one of them like stuffed her bra with like bubble wrap or something. And it was just like the fact that a cartoon was dealing with that was so interesting. And I was like, I didn't know people did that. What does this mean? It like spurred all these questions. And then there was another episode where the popular girls were shaving their legs 
And Ginger's mom was like, you can't shave your legs yet. You're not old enough. So she like found a way to bargain with her mom and she shaved her ankle and wore capri pants. Hello, 90s fashion, capri pants. And I was like, that was so cool for me because at the time I was like, shaving your legs is such a scary thing. Like it's a razor. Again, I was like, a, I've always been a fearful person, <laughs> but um, I thought that that was so sick. And last but not least, that show had the sickest theme song, Macy Gray singing Someone Once Told Me the Grass Was Much Greener. Iconic. That's my number 10. Coming in at number nine, another Nicktoon, <clears throat> The Wild Thornberries. The show was so fun. And to be honest, I never liked Eliza. She was the main character. That was one of the shows where like the surrounding cast really does the heavy lifting of making the show feel entertaining. It was such a funny mix of people. Like you had these talking animals, but then you had like Nigel Thornberry, iconic, iconic TV dad. Like the most daddish dad of all time, even though he is a cartoon with that giant nose just going, Eliza. Like that show was so fun to me. And like Debbie was just this like moody teenager that I was like, I want to be like Debbie when I grow up because she's cool. And I know that's like totally the antithesis of what I just said about As Told by Ginger. But again, it might have been because Debbie was blonde. I think this episode we are coming to like a deep source of like childhood trauma of like not being blonde. I think I think there's something I need to unpack there. But The Wild Thornberries, another amazing show. Number eight, and it was really hard for me to put this all the way down at eight because I loved this show, but there were so many iconic cartoons in our childhood. Had to be Hey Arnold. I, that show is so good. I, it's on Hulu now, and I was like, I wonder if I watch an episode if I would like it. I do. It's awesome. The characters are so funny. It's also just like so cool to have a cartoon set in New York City especially because I grew up in the suburbs. Like I did not know what New York city was. And I just remember watching this show and these kids just like running around the city. And I thought it was so cool. Although a friend once told me that she didn't like Hey Arnold because she thought they hung out in the dark too much. And I think that's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Like they were kind of always in alleys. They were also like fourth graders who had free roaming rights of New York city. And as someone who lives here as an adult, if I had a fourth grader, they would absolutely not be allowed to run around New York City on their own. If for no other reason, then I would be afraid they would run into traffic. There's too much to get into in the city. Like the pilot episode of Hey Arnold, I now know is the pilot from Hulu, where they accidentally take the bus downtown. And they say the people downtown sure are friendly. People downtown, not always so friendly. That show was great. Also, Helga G. Pataki, just love her. Love how much she loved Arnold, but just like didn't want to give into it just like badass punched people in the face. Again, probably not something you, like I don't even know if you could put that on TV today because that's so not okay to just punch your classmates in the face. But Helga, she knew it was up. She rocked her unibrow. It's pretty badass. And then they also just like talk about world building for a cartoon. Like all of the people that lived in his apartment building and all of the characters that like came in for one episode arcs, like you had pigeon man and stoop kids afraid to leave the stoop and the jolly ollie man like this show was a masterpiece in character work i will say that so while i do hate to bring it in at number eight i had to because there are so many other good shows and number seven finally moving away from nickelodeon onto disney channel what's the sitch kim possible 
And I had to. And I know Kim Possible came out when we were a little bit older. So, like, maybe it's not the right vintage for this tune. But Kim Possible was such a good show. Ron Stoppable, iconic, hysterical sidekick. Kim, again, so cool, fighting crime with her, like, gorgeous red hair in a crop top, no less. Like, she fought crime without being worried that like her crop top was gonna cause her to have a wardrobe malfunction and like maybe show something she didn't want to show like that is a level of confidence that we should all aspire to and everything about that show is the villains were fun rufus the naked mole rat who had his own song called the naked mole rap which i hate to admit gets stuck in my head probably like once a week that show was amazing. She also was like the first cartoon character I think that I watched who had a cell phone, which made her all the cooler. Um, moving on to number six, this rocket power. That show was so cool. That show made me want to live in California and be Reggie and have these like cool boy best friends and be like a total tomboy and surf and, you know, I don't know, ride a skateboard, and I couldn't do any of those things at the time. So I, you know, I did grow up to be a surfer. I'm not a very good surfer, but I do surf, and I do think it's because Rocket Power just made it seem so freaking cool. And I still go like woogity 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 with my friends. Like these shows leave a lasting imprint on you. But number five was sort of a similar show about like a group of friends. My number five best pick for 90s cartoons is Recess. And I love that. I think that's a sleeper hit. Like, I feel like people forget about Recess, but that show was so fun. It's almost like the breakfast club for kids. Like, you have this weird group of friends. You have the athlete, the troublemaker, the punk, the nerd, and they all come together to wreak havoc on the playground. The show was, you know, confined to the 30 minutes of Recess, so you had very natural story arcs. <laughs> I feel ridiculous coming at this from such a literary aspect, but you did. Spinelli was so cool. TJ had a crush on TJ. I had a crush on, like, a lot of cartoon characters, but TJ was a big, a big crush for me. Um, and that show was on one Saturday morning, which was such a fun way to start your morning. You'd get your cereal, and it'd go like, one Saturday morning. And it was that and Pepper Ann. And I never really liked Pepper Ann, but Pepper Ann had a cooler theme song. So it's like kind of a toss up. But I did love Recess. So now we're getting into like the real heavy hitters of these cartoon shows in my personal ranking that is undeniable and could never be up for question. Number four, I think people are going to be mad this is coming in too low, is the lovable, porous, yellow sponge himself. SpongeBob SquarePants, that show, I looked it up. It came out in 1999, and it is still on the air today. And I think it is probably one of the most quotable shows. Like, my friends and I quote SpongeBob, like, not even ironically. That show has had such an indelible mark on culture. And I just, I think it was probably one of the most defining. And it's cool that it spans so many generations that, like, I watched it as a kid and my cousins are watching it as kids now and we can talk about it. Um, SpongeBob definitely had the best songs. Like every episode where they would bring in a random song, like the campfire song or when I ripped my pants or the crusty crab pizza. Are you kidding me? That is, and I, that jingle should win an advertising award. Like Wyden and Kennedy should call them up and be like crusty crab pizza. 
is the pizza for you and me. I just, I loved that show. It was so innate. My mom hated it. She thought it was like the most, I don't know if she thought SpongeBob's voice was annoying or what, but every time it was on, my dad and I would watch it and my mom would be like, the show is so bad. Um, but I know that she's an outlier in that, but I just, that show was so fun to watch. And I just think it's pervaded culture in such an interesting way. So I had to give it a number four spot. But now, my top three cartoons. Coming in at number three. True, honestly, hard, really hard to not give this the number one spot. I, these three are also good. I have to give it to Rugrats. I think that is the show that I logged the most hours watching. I loved Again, want to talk about feminist icons, Angelica Pickles and her mom, like they were just the best, but I loved Tommy. I've let you guys know today that I'm a scaredy cat. So I felt very drawn to Chucky. Um, and he had that episode where he was like, be a big, brave dog. And I used to say that to myself, um, but Tommy Pickles and Angelica Pickles and the parents were fun. I think it's really rare that you find a cartoon or a show for kids where the parents are interesting characters. But all of the character, all of the parents, and Grandpa, Grandpa Lou, and his like secret lover Morgana. That's a deep cut. But I'm telling you, I loved the Rugrats, um, and all of the paraphernalia that came out with it. I had their video game. I had clothing about the Rugrats. I do have to say, Dill Pickles years lost me once. Like Dill came into the mix. I was like, mm, I'm kind of over it. He's too much of a baby. He couldn't like say anything fun and you know, baby's got to do what a baby's got to do. So I understand where he came from, but yeah, I think the early Rugrats when it's like still like the drawings are almost like, I don't even know. They have like shaky cause they're so old school and not crisp. That is peak childhood to me. And then on the other end of the spectrum, my number two is, a show that I aged out of pretty quickly after starting watching it, but I loved the Fairly Odd Parents. I thought that show was so funny. I could watch it forever. I loved Cosmo and Wanda. I loved Timmy. Like <clears throat> again, Chip Skylark, major crush for me. Like, and that show was also really brilliant in its like one episode arcs for characters, similarly to Hey Arnold, but they would do all these sort of riffs on things that were happening in the real world like they had billy crystal ball hosting like the fairy oscars or whatever and like the arnold schwarzenegger guy and i think because i was old enough when fairly odd parents came out that i had some understanding of what was going on in the world i got that those parodies were funny and i think it made it fun for my parents to watch it with me um and i just i thought that show could do no wrong although now i guess because again that show ran for a really long time and i was on the older end when it came out. So I didn't watch it for that long, but Cosmo and Wanda had a baby and there's a third fairy. There's this whole chapter of the story that I don't even know. So maybe I'll have to catch up on my fairly odd parents, but coming in at number one, the absolute best cartoon, I think it had so much heart. It had humor. It was sweet. It was accessible. I got to go Doug. I love Doug. The theme song to Doug, amazing. And this is, I like Doug better on Nickelodeon than when he switched to Disney. He had like a whole, you know, he got rebought out, but in his little green sweater vest with pork chop, his dog and Patty mayonnaise, they had such a pure little crush on each other. It was so lovable. And he wrote in his journal and he had this alter ego of quail man who was like the best superhero ever. I was not a superhero kid, but I loved quail man. 
And again, they had the parodies, like instead of the Beatles, they had the Beats. And the Beats had some freaking bangers. Let me tell you, I would listen to I Need More Allowance or Killer Tofu today. If if they if the Beats went on tour, I would go see it. And I just think Doug was like this perfect mix of being funny, but also it didn't have that sort of like slapstick kids humor that like a cat dog had that grossed me out as a, a little kid. But it was a little bit more like watching, I don't know, like a TV show that you would watch as an adult. It was these characters, you know, Doug and Patty went on a date and I, I don't know, it was just so fun for me to watch. So that was, that's my ranking. But there was so much good, you know, I, I think there was so much good content that we grew up with. Like we grew up with The Parent Trap, which is like one of the best movies of all time. But I mean, you had The Parent Trap, you had all the DCOMs, like Disney Channel original movies. Xenon was amazing, like Smart House, which is now like just coming to life. I can't even say the name of my Amazon robot or she'll start talking to me in the middle of my radio show. So maybe we're getting too close. I mean, I also loved watching like Figure It Out with Summer Sanders, that show. And like getting slimed, all I ever wanted in my life was to get slimed. I thought that meant you made it in the world was if Nickelodeon slimed you. And then, of course, I mean, I'm the biggest Disney fan in the world. So I would be remiss to not mention that it was kind of a golden age of Disney movies. Like Aladdin came out in 92 and then you had The Lion King and then Toy Story. Like really like movies that are still very much a part of the pop culture psyche of kids even today that grow up like they all know the lion king and and toy story and it just it was a really fun time to grow up we also i think like i told you the ad man in me loved the ty i think like the ads of the 90s were pretty incredible too and they like i think i'm a big believer that we should go back to jingles and i i know that that is like the most unpopular opinion in the world but i love a jingle i think they're very fun and I think, like, you had the best jingles in the 90s. Like, I came across this TikTok the other day, and I don't even know what it was about, but the, so the song that they were using, the sound, was the Cheezosaurus Rex song. That's like, it's your favorite tickeroni, or whatever. And I, that song has been stuck in my head for seven days, and now all I want is Kraft Mac and Cheese. So God bless the power of advertising, because that worked. You had the baby bottle pop, baby bottle pop, like, amazing songs in sync even came on and did a cameo for Chili's when they sang they wanted their baby back ribs like are you kidding me iconic jingle you know the Folger song the Kit Kat song the Wonder Ball like I mean really I like fall asleep at night sometimes with these 90s jingles stuck in my head but I do have to bring up before the show's over because we are nearing the end this commercial from the 90s that sometimes I think was a fever dream because I bring it up to people and they're like, they don't remember it. It was for Quiznos subs. Okay. If you know where I'm going, you know. And Quiznos subs did this commercial where they, their mascot was a gremlin, like a dust bunny. It was this, like, it literally looked like a hairball that, like, when I, take the hair out of my hairbrush after like seven weeks of not doing it. And then they put like googly eyes on it and a mouth, but they like cut it out and made it look collage. And it was wearing a top hat and its eyes like crossed. Like it looked feral. It looked like a cat that if you saw it on the side of the road, you wouldn't be like, oh, cute, a bodega cat. You'd be like, run the other way. This cat has rabies. It was this weird gremlin and it sang. I'm going to do an impression. You guys are going to be like, she's 
she's losing her mind. But it sang in this like screechy voice and it would go, like, I'm not kidding you. That is what this thing sounded like. It was like, and their whole ad premise was you could get a dollar off of your sub. I have a caller. I really hope it's someone who remembers this commercial because I feel like I'm, I've, I've lost my mind. Their whole premise was if you brought in a coupon for anything and what they cited was hair plugs or tire changes, you could get a dollar off your Quiznos sub. And it was these two little things floating around singing about this. Hi, I. Me, Hi, my, that's hilarious. Yeah, I, I try to remember those Quiznos commercials. That's that's hilarious. They were like insane. They were like a drug trip, right? Like I'm not making this up. Yeah, no, it was totally a trip. But I didn't want to keep you but for too long. I wanted to get your what you thought of like the Sandlot. Or like, tell me you've seen the Sandlot. I actually haven't seen the Sandlot. Oh, oh brutal. I know, I know. It's a heartbreak. My um, my fiance and I tried to watch it one night, and I fell asleep. And I genuinely thought he was going to break up with me over it. He was yeah, like, "This is it." <laughs> That's so yeah. Probably then no no other sports movies then. Not even like the Little Giants or like the Big Green. Well, I want like, the the Mighty Ducks. Mighty Does that Ducks, count? Okay. Mighty yeah, Ducks definitely counts. That one was pretty, that was big. Um, trying to think what other sports movies I loved growing up. Um, Miracle on Ice, but I feel like that's not really a 90s movie, but that's my yeah. favorite movie. No, like you got to give the same uh, another chance. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think I, you're right. I got to. Anyway, I appreciate it. I've only heard good things. Well, I'm glad you remember the Quiznos commercial because I feel, I feel like my reality has been validated. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, awesome to hear you, Shannon. Appreciate you having me on. You're hilarious. Of course. Call in any time. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, on that note, on me singing like a gremlin peddling sandwiches on you, I think that is going to be the end of my, frankly, kind of delirious ode to the 90s, where I think my, my day quill was kicking in and I just started listing things I liked about growing up in the 90s. But I do think it was a really fun time to be a kid. It was a really fun time to be a kid because the internet was so new and so exciting. And you had this opportunity to talk with your friends online and you could play these video games, which were so fun. And um, and just all of what that entailed and just the pop culture that came out of it just feels so special. And I do, I am of no delusions of grandeur that in 20 years kids are going to be talking about oh my god the the early 2010s and the the you know 2022 had the best movies for kids and the best pop music like i i get that this is cyclical and i understand that i am dating myself as officially no longer a true youth by doing an episode like this at all but to bring it back to where we started i think everyone who is probably 17 years old and going out for Halloween to a party this year, dressed as a nineties kid, have fun, embrace your inner Lizzie McGuire, enjoy that inflatable cell phone and know that it's probably not blown up for size. That is the size of cell phones that we would bring around with us. Don't abuse the butterfly clip privilege because it's very easy to put suddenly you have 47 pink and blue butterflies all over your head. 
Uh, and yeah, just enjoy the 90s and decide now if you're going to be a Britney or a Christina in an NSYNC or a Backstreet Boys because those things really matter. And the last soapbox that I'm going to end on is, hey, even if you are a brunette, you can be Baby Spice. Well, until next time, I am Shannon Fiedler. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk next week. Bye, guys.